If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I am delighted to be back with you and with a special guest today. There's no introduction from me today for about me. I'm just going to introduce my special guest, who is my friend and the host of the Vacation Rental Show, and that is Matt Landau. Good morning, Matt. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm absolutely wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just had a little coffee, getting ready to go for a swim after this. I'm good. Excellent. So, swimming pool. Yes, swimming in the swimming pool this morning. I have a, I'm in New Orleans at the moment, my my home base. And I have a membership at this wonderful gym that's called the New Orleans Athletic Club. I'm pretty sure it's the oldest athletic club in the country. And it's located in the French Quarter in these beautiful old buildings. And uh, I chose it because it is only a couple blocks from my apartment, so I can walk there. And it has a beautiful pool that makes me feel like I'm part of a James Bond movie or something. So I like to go and get my laps in, and then I go have a nice little second round of coffee and then start my day. Sounds a wonderful way to start the day. So how, yeah. how's how are you, Heather? Oh, That's I'm more important. I am awesome. Thank you very much. Very awesome. You sound like you are using some sort of um, impressive new technology. I just got to say. <laughs> do, do, does the sound, does the, um, the audio sound good? It does. It sounds clear. And for those um, who weren't in on that secret, Heather and I just spent about 15 minutes with her new, what do we call this thing? It's a Rodecaster Pro. And it's kind of like a, a little dash, a, a little control board that you use, right? Yeah. I, and I said to you, I'll share this one. It's like podcasting for the aged. It's got these big <laughs> buttons. <laughs> this is big button that said REC for record. You know, I cannot miss it. Um, well, that's more advanced than mine. Um, when I do my recordings, I just have my, my little uh, blue microphone sitting in front of me. I don't even have the, the panel that you've got. Well, this this is really cool because I, I can I can take it out on the road. And if you're thinking about getting this, Matt, the, the, the big advantage of this is that you can attach four microphones to it. Oh, so, cool. So if you were sitting somewhere, you know, let's say you've got an inner circle meeting somewhere and you want to record yourself and three others, you just get the cables, give them each a microphone, and you're off to the races. Cool. Well, m- most of all, I think it just looks really neat. You look like a DJ, DJ, DJ Bear. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I will, I will take a photograph of this and then put it up on this, on the show notes so everybody can see <laughs> what we're actually talking about. Yeah. So, so, hey, Matt, thanks for joining me. Um, we haven't done one of these sort of mashup with Matt's for quite a while. And but you've been out there in pretty prolific on VRMB on the Vacation Rental Marketing blog and and of course the Inner Circle. I mean, I know a lot of my listeners are also Inner Circle members. So, uh, you know, everybody knows Matt's out there and you never miss a Monday with your Monday morning motivation. And I absolutely love that. Well, thank you. I, I actually, I did miss last Monday and I was very <laughs> no. embarrassed. I'm not sure if you're secretly poking at me here, um, <laughs> no, but I try just... my best not to miss. 
<laughs> that just tells me that I'm not paying attention to them coming yeah, into I my inbox. Like the last few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's move on then. <laughs> okay. So I I wanted to pick up on three topics that you featured on the VRMB blog in the past couple of months um, because you know, every single thing that you put out there is is just so well researched, so interesting, and it's not just a, a sort of throwaway blog post it actually has a huge amount of worth and value. So I wanted to pick up on three of these that I found particularly interesting. Now, I mean, number one is the Keystone Awards, where you explored with Terry White, you explored the world of property management software. And then I want to talk about the article by Sally Mitchell about how we might be creating impossibly spoiled guests. And I so agree with this one. So I want to get your take on that. And then finally, I want to talk about something that's been on my mind a lot recently. And I was researching it and I came across, of course, you'd already written a post on it called Airbnb, The Verb. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that's, that's happening to me in our property management company at the moment when we go around and talk talk to new owners. And some of them simply talk about Airbnb. So, you know, I want to be an Airbnb. So I, right. I, I thought we'd just explore this because there were some really good comments on that post that you wrote. And we'll, we'll come back to that later. But you, you did say in that, that it wasn't a complete blog post. It was something you don't like to do much, which is what you termed an incomplete blog post. But there were some, there were some interesting responses that, uh, that really, um, f- from my perspective, maybe from yours as well, completed it. Mm-hmm. So does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Okay, well, let's, let's hit it up with the Keystone Awards, because I sort of want to know where you were coming from with this, what they're about, and um, you know, what was the purpose of, of doing this? Yeah, th- this blog post took approximately seven months to write, <laughs> if you look at the beginnings of it. Um, and it started off with a problem, which is that most owners and managers are, get overwhelmed uh, and or stressed out by the amount of different property management softwares on the market. And if you're not using a property management software, even if you've got one property or two properties, you should be because it makes your life totally easier. And it also makes your business more independent because you're not relying on any one of the big listing sites for your operations. But because there are a so many different property management softwares on the market geared towards B, so many different kinds of vacation rental businesses. And C, because pretty much every single vacation rental business has a different set of needs based on how many employees they have, where they're located, how many properties they're managing. The process of matching somebody who needs X with the right solution of why is very, very difficult. It's like a really, really convoluted process. And that's how this whole thing started. We realized that people were really struggling with that. So uh, I got together with an inner circle member named Terry White, who is a member of the faculty. And any blog posts you see on VRMB, including Sally's that you just mentioned, uh, that are not by me are written by VRMB faculty. These are individuals who have kind of built up a wonderful amount of credibility and prestige within the inner circle and are then actually paid 
to write posts for the forward-facing blog. And in the case of Terry, Terry just absolutely loves the software space. He had been demoing pretty much every software on the market previously. Uh, I think, Heather, you actually had him on after he wrote a podcast for VRMB way back about how to choose the right software. You remember that? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, he is he is the person in this industry, I think, who, you know, a go-to person if you have questions about software. Yeah, and everybody had questions after he published that post, how to choose the right vacation rental software. That must have been a year ago, maybe mm-hmm. more. It was. And what Terry has unique about him is that he, he loves the stuff and he, he understands it pretty well. Uh, but he's also totally independent. He has no vested interest by any of these uh, larger companies. And that gives him a whole new kind of clout, in my opinion, gives him a different level of credibility when making suggestions. So I began to see after he published that post originally a year ago, all these people reaching out to him and asking for advice. What software should I use? And something not everybody knows about Terry is that he also has a gigantic heart and he would never receive an email with a request for help and not actually help the person. And he was doing all of this for free just because he's an amazing person. But I didn't think that process was very efficient. Uh, and I actually started to notice that people were maybe starting to take advantage of him in, in that he was offering this stuff for free. And here he is also trying to run his own vacation rental business. So I came up with a suggestion, and we actually talked about this for the very first time, Heather, at your conference in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And I threw out the idea of creating some sort of tool that would compile all of the data that Terry and his team were gathering about various property management softwares. And, And more specifically, we identified basically 20 of the top factors that we believe were important across the board of all these different softwares. Because another one of the challenges that we found in that process was that one software says it does some particular feature really well. And another software says it does that same feature very well, but in fact they do those, that same feature in totally different ways. So we had to first create this set of factors. And the first round of this experiment was compiling all of the demo hour hours using these factors and approximately 25, I think at the time of the top property management softwares on the market into a matrix, basically just a a document uh, that could more or less match up uh, one factor of one software to another. The second phase of the experiment was putting together a survey that is asking owners and managers what priorities they have in choosing a property management software. Some people uh, with 100 properties located in uh, San Diego may have entirely different priorities than someone with two properties located in Barcelona, Spain. So we put together this survey that we felt really got to the heart. And a lot of the questions, they're not directly corresponding with the factors. A lot of the questions are designed to look a little bit deeper beneath the surface into what this individual is truly needs. And then the third piece of the puzzle, the third phase, was choosing a t- an actual piece of technology to match the findings of the first phase, the, the matrix and the ranking factors, with the priorities of this survey. 
And that tool uh, is called Qualtrics. It's a tool that anybody could use. You can buy the, the rights to use it for a year at a time. And what came out was a tool that would match somebody's needs or priorities with the software that performed those needs best. And we began testing it amongst ourselves. We then did another round of testing with a handful of Inner Circle members. We then did another round of testing with all of the Inner Circle. And finally, we released it to the BRMB private list. This has never, this link has never been shared outside of um, those spheres. And what started to happen when we not only iterated and began getting feedback from the earlier rounds of testing, but when we released it to the VRMB list is that the results started pouring in. Um, I remember being in an airport in, in Spain and I clicked send on the newsletter. And before I even took off, it had amassed like more than a hundred completions. And I was like, okay, this is, people are interested in this. And the feedback was really reaffirming as well. So everybody was, was commenting the kinds of things that we wanted to hear, such as, wow, I never, I have never heard of Kigo, for instance, as a suggestion. Uh, I'm going to go do a demo with them this afternoon. Or someone might say, uh, you know, this tool was really validating because after the last three months of doing demos, it actually suggested uh, with a highest percentage match percentage that the right software that I ultimately chose. And for me, that was a validating thing. Uh, we had another kind of commentary, which was, you know, this comes at a perfect time. We're thinking about switching and we were super overwhelmed with the amount of options on the market. So all of those kinds of things began rolling in. We started basically reviewing every single completion of the tool and set of suggestions delivered to that individual over time. And we amassed more than 700 completions, which was a, not a surprise, but a great indicator that it was working and that people were enjoying it. So fast forward to the actual blog post. With all of this information, we started to notice some interesting trends. So we published a, a sort of teaser for the Keystone Awards a week before, in which we shared some of the trends that we noticed that were interesting. For instance, certain factors that were ranked uh, as high priorities across the board that did not seem to be available in a software solution. That would be a good indicator to the software providers to consider that particular factor and weaving it into their feature set. We started noticing other trends like lots of owners and managers answering that X was not of a high priority, whereas we believed it is extremely important. And we began to share that kind of thing so that people could kind of pit themselves up against what the rest of the data set was suggesting. But then we started to think to ourselves, what if we actually shared the top suggested softwares? And this is potentially opening up a huge can of worms because we don't want to get into the game of politics. We don't want to get into the game of playing favorites. So what we decided to do in this very, very version 1.0 of the Keystone Awards was very transparently share the softwares that were suggested most based on our ranking factors and the algorithm that we built for the tool for the 700 plus priorities that were completed in the survey. 
And that is a subtle but important difference from publishing what we believe are the best softwares. Does that make sense, that little nuance, Heather? That makes a huge amount of sense. Yeah, not recommendations. I wasn't sure if we explained that properly. Yeah, I've read this through and I, you know, it's very clear it comes out, you know, these are suggestions based on the data. So, yeah. Yeah, Um, not based on our personal preferences. mm -hmm. Of course, our personal rankings of the factors were built into the matrix, but the rest of it is more or less the, the crowd, the collective wisdom of the crowd doing the work. Mm-hmm. And that was import- That was an important distinction for us. And so we published three softwares in each category. Category one is zero to 50 properties in Europe categ- and in the surrounding areas, but that was where the majority of our completions were based. And pro- category two is zero to 50 properties in North America. Category three, 50 plus properties in Europe. Category four, 50 plus properties in North America. And by simply publishing those, we felt it would at least help capture the storyline of the entire study. And in that process of publishing those, we also realized that there was two softwares that we kept talking about over and over again that were unusual. So of course, you've got the, the softwares that are out there that everybody's aware of that have always been great solutions. Like Streamline is a great example. It was pretty much the top of its class in all of our North American completions, but everyone kind of knows Streamline and it wasn't something that was terribly surprising to us. But there were two softwares that stood out that we hadn't necessarily talked about before or that were doing things that we found to be especially impressive. And so we decided to place an award on those two softwares. And the first software that we gave an award to was Hostfully, which is based out of San Francisco. I happen to have known Steph and David, uh, who are behind Hostfully for quite some time, although obviously there was no kind of uh, favorites or priorities uh, or or friendly preferences at play here. So we gave one to Hostfully, which we called the the best all-around software, just because we found it was one of the most unique softwares that began to to cater to property managers of of various property counts, which is unusual. Typically, the softwares that cater to people with hundreds of properties are not good for someone with five and vice versa. So Hostfully was beginning to really breach that those lines. Uh, and the second software that we found really interesting as a standout was Track. It made Track unique for us, uh, and I say us, what was most impressive for, for Terry is that Track is built on a CRM which is a core technological model, significantly different from the rest of the property management software out there. And Terry felt very strongly that a CRM was the future, that the ability to follow a guest from the very first moment they inquire all the way to they depart and ideally to the time they come back and stay again, that being built on a CRM was a, a game changer. And for that reason, we decided to name Track the Keystone Award Software of the Future. We realized in, in doing all of this that the awards thing is an entirely different world. And to do it really properly, to begin actually coming up with individual kinds of awards and, and handing them out and making a big to-do about it, uh, that will probably come with time. 
uh, with some energy. But this was not designed to be an awards ceremony by any means. This was designed to share the results of our interesting tool. And in the process, we found that there were some award-worthy standouts. But that said, uh, we will continue to iterate and improve our tool every month. And hopefully, we'll be able to come out with another formal round of awards as we work in new softwares, as we work in new features of existing softwares that are uh, brought to the table. And in the end, try to solve that original question that we all started with was, how do we make the process of choosing the right property management software less stressful for the owner or the manager? And if we can do that, even one step in the right direction, we feel like we've made a dent on the problem. And and I so appreciate this as a property manager who is currently looking at, at different options. So beforehand, all we had really was in you know go go to the conferences, talk to everybody, and that that's not really the best place to be to make any choices. But then to look at Capterra, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, but also talking to people when you say what 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 should I use. Is a, is a very subjective question because that individual probably has totally different needs. And while, yes, that individual may be able to validate some particular aspect, like, yes, the customer service mm-hmm. at LiveRest is fantastic, for instance. What they're actually talking about is how the software serves their own needs. And you may have a totally different set of needs, mm-hmm. which is, is tricky. And I think... Going to the the conferences and asking for people's advice is something that I would indeed encourage, Uh, but also at the end of our results, when they're delivered to the individual upon completion of the survey, we remind them that this is not de facto answers. These are quite simply suggestions for you to go and do your own demos, and ultimately something that we tried to emphasize it's your decision. You're the one who needs to pull the trigger on whatever one you choose and you need to own it. And for that reason, we would never you know, personally say that you must choose this, uh, but rather really provide some of the tools for learning and research to these individuals and encourage them to make the decision um, on their own. So for anybody listening who is currently maybe a small property manager, somebody thinking to to grow or maybe somebody in, in the 50 plus who's thinking about changing, are they able to go and look at this, this matrix to, 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 to establish where they sit on, on this sort of continuum of, of different criteria? Not the matrix. The matrix is something that we're keeping private and as is the algorithm that we've built to match the needs with the factors, with the softwares. And at the very moment, the only place that you can actually find a link for the tool is in the original email that we used to release it. Uh, we're currently taking advantage of a little bit of downtime to go in and make some improvements to the tool. Um, so if someone is interested in being part of the next round of this tool, uh, they're welcome to sign up for the VRMB newsletter and we'll be announcing when the tool is released in a version 2.0. Perfect. Well, thank yeah. you for that. Thank you for that. And and it's interesting, those we, we, we have done a demo with Track um, quite a while ago because I think Track is one that a lot of people haven't heard of at all. And yeah, we did it a, yeah. yeah, we did a demo with them a while back, and I think I, I now want to go back and revisit that. And also Hostfully as well, because I wasn't aware that Hostfully was a property management software platform. It, I mean, to me, it was simply the guidebooks. So... 
yes, I'm going to go back and revisit Hostfully again as well. So I'm guessing the connection with Orbi Rental brought in that aspect of it. Yeah, they, they merged with Orbi Rental maybe like a year mm-hmm. or something ago. Um, so that's all, all now one beautiful entity. Okay. Well, beautiful. Thank you very much for that. Let's move on. Changing tack here, talking about are we creating impossibly spoiled guests? And I'm raising both hands and going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and your faculty member, Sally Mitchell, who has a property in San Pancho, Mexico, she wrote an amazing post that had me going, oh my God, yes, yes, this is exactly it. She asked a question, are we shooting ourselves? Well, she just asked this question. I re- reworded this one. Are we shooting ourselves in the foot with the continuous goals to over-deliver for our guests? I, you know, I know this. My, my sister has an, she has an apartment in the bottom level of her house and she just rents it through Airbnb. And she keeps, you know, she, she makes these amazing home-baked goodies and she delivers all the breakfasts to guests and they don't have washing up facilities because it doesn't have a kitchen. You know, she's got a microwave and a fridge, etc. So they can make themselves snacks, but it doesn't have a kitchen for washing up. So they just pile all their, their dishes into a, into a container and she picks them up twice a day and does the washing up. And then she just said to me recently, she said, I just had, I went down there yesterday and all their dishes were all over the place just like I was expected to pick them up like I'm a maid. And it just got me thinking, you know, was she creating this for herself by over-delivering? So her guests were expecting this type of service. And when I saw, when I read Sally's article, it's like, yes, that's exactly what she's Mm. talking about. So yeah, Sally says, you know, it's about when friendly gestures become expectations. Because what's happening with my sister is that all these things that she's doing are appearing in the Airbnb reviews. So everything she's done, you know, oh, it was this fab, and she and she's got over a hundred five star reviews, and mm-hmm. the majority of them saying it's so amazing. There were these home homemade shortbread cookies. There were fresh croissants for breakfast, <laughs> and and now she can't stop doing it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know the feeling. So where do you sit on this, Matt? Well, I'll, I'll first say that we had this kind of epiphany, and there was a couple. BRMB subscribers who kind of helped emphasize this point. We had this epiphany that we can't only talk about the fun, easy, positive, optimistic stuff at BRMB. That's good. It's good to be optimistic. It's good to be forward thinking. It's good to have a can do mentality. But what we can't do is overlook some of the very real challenges that either don't have an answer just yet or the answers to which are bad. And Sally started a thread in the inner circle a a while ago that was more or less along the lines of, are we starting an arms race to create an impossibly spoiled guest? And it became an extremely engaging discussion uh, with all kinds of perspectives. And that was kind of the impetus for for the article itself to turning the, the thread into something short and digestible that that the general public could read. Uh, But the general theme here, I'm so in agreement with, and and what's probably a really bad idea is just to give the advice of continue doing as much as you possibly can for every single guest, because that's not realistic. 
And that starts to set impossible standards for travelers that we will never meet. So Sally, what I first liked about it was that it was identifying something that was indeed sort of not easy or rosy. However, the second thing that I really liked about it and something we tried to work into all of our BRMB pieces is some actionable way to solve the problem yourself. And because the answers may vary uh, depending on your business and how much time you have, et cetera, um, Sally shared three ways that, that kind of like a little prism through which you can look at these kinds of investments. Um, so, for instance, one of them is scroll down to it here. This is what, um, she, calls, this one, is what she calls the three-way test. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, the three, there's three ways to grow a business, she says, uh, according to Jay Abraham, which is one of her favorite mm-hmm. uh, business thought leaders. The first way to grow the business is to increase the number of clients, which could be your increased uh, repeat guest stay or converting more of your prospective guests into paying guests and or adding more rooms or properties to your fleet. The second way is increasing the average transaction value. This could mean increasing your nightly rates, creating vacation packages with more profitable margins and or upselling a service or an amenity or an activity so that each guest stay earns you more money. The third is increasing the frequency of repurchase. That is to say, repeat bookings, longer stays, and off-season occupancy. Sally argues that if an idea can't actually accomplish one of these things, it's not an improvement, it's an expense. Which I love because all of a sudden you start looking at things through a different kind of air, uh, lens. Like one example, she was considering buying a barbecue for her vacation rental. But then she started to realize that the salty air from the ocean would be corroding it regularly. She couldn't rely on her staff to clean it properly. Uh, Getting the propane tanks where she happens to be based in San Pancho, Mexico, required a 90-minute trip to get them replaced. Most of her guests were dining out for dinner. And in in three seasons of renting, only two of her guests have ever said that they actually wanted a grill. And for that reason, Sally started to realize that it would not necessarily increase the transactional value. It may increase the number of guests and the frequency of their repurchase, but that her hassle factor would be a deal breaker and that this would become an expense, not an improvement. And so she would not do it. And I thought that was a great example. You can more or less apply any specific touch or detail or idea to this thought process and and decide whether or not it's realistic for you. Uh, What's not realistic, I think, in in the end of the piece is just doing anything and everything to appease your guests because that's not a sustainable um, strategy. All of a sudden, the profit profit that you make starts to disintegrate. So I loved that post and I'm I'm so with Sally and I love the way that she put it through this sort of decision-making prism. And I would also get people excited about Sally's next post, which is going to all revolve around the same theme of some of the less savory, (laughs) less obvious challenges that we have to face uh, here in the vacation rental movement. Well, when I, when I read that post and and particularly when I saw those, the the three-way test and, and it, and Sally saying that if an idea can't accomplish at least one of these, it's an added expense, not an improvement. It just came back to a phrase that 
an old business partner said to me, and I'm going back 20 odd years or so when we st- first started buying property out here in Ontario. And I would go out and I just wanted to buy everything and, and just, just have the best property, the best equipped it had. I wanted to have absolutely everything. And he slightly admonished me and said, I want you to keep this phrase in your head at all times. And he said, every time you walk in a store, every time you look at something, every time you think, I really want this for my guests. He said, does it sell more chickens? And does it sell more chickens? Does it sell more chickens? Mm-hmm. And basically he's saying, you know, is this going to have value to you as a business? Mm-hmm. Uh, really, which is exactly what, what Sally's saying here. You know, it's if it's not accomplishing either increasing the number of clients, increasing the average transaction value, or increasing the frequency of purchase, it's just an added expense, not an improvement. So that that expression always has always come back to me. You know, if I want to go and buy I, I, my last property, I wanted, we had a hot tub and everybody loved the hot tub. And then I wanted to buy a sauna. This phrase kept coming back. Does it sell more chickens? Does it sell more chickens? Yeah. No, it actually didn't. It was, an, it was nice. It, my, my guests would absolutely love it. But we couldn't really have put up the rental rate. So it wasn't going to be increasing the, transac- the average transaction value. Guests were coming back, I knew, because of the hot tub. So having a sauna probably wouldn't make any difference either. And would it have increased number of clients? Marginally, possibly. We would have people who wanted a sauna in the winter instead of a, a hot tub or wanted both. But quite honestly, so, so it, was a, it was a big, big ticket purchase. And in not doing that, we actually in, increased our bottom line because we weren't having to pay out for that and not getting the, the return for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think in other areas, you know, let's use another area, for instance, that, that hot tubs or jacuzzis are not very common. It might be prudent to take a look on VRBO or Airbnb or whatever, see the properties that are, that do have the hot tub. Are they commanding a higher nightly rate? And if you were to buy that hot tub, would you be able to increase your nightly rate and or your occupancy? Would that set you apart from the competition? And it's, it's all, it all depends on your particular market and your particular uh, decision-making process. Sally, I love the, the phrase that she used, are we creating guestzillas? <laughs> oh. <laughs> A riff on the, on the bridezillas, you know, like they just think that, they, think that everything is theirs. Um, which is very, very fair. So the, the secret, I suppose, in the end is drawing a line, defining for you what is your chicken for you, Heather, what's your chickens, <laughs> and looking at your investments through that, um, through that lens. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it all varies with location. When I'm talking to owners and they say, what can we do to increase our winter guests, to get people to come out of the city of Toronto, to come out to the, uh, you know, the frozen north in the winter. And I said, and I will say the same thing over and over again. There are the two things that will bring people to your property over and above anybody else's. And one is an open source of heat. You know, you need to have a propane stove or a, some sort of fireplace. Secondly is a hot tub. And we know this, that from, from 20 years of managing properties, and it's only a glance at a calendar that shows that the properties with hot tubs 
will have much higher occupancy than those that don't. So yeah, in, in different locations, having a hot tub is not going to make any difference whatsoever. And, and we're also, we've been primarily talking about big upgrades mm. or infrastructural improvements, but it, Sally actually starts this story off by fresh croissants Yes, that she, um, the whole <laughs> yes. story started when she would give fresh croissants on the first day uh, to their guests from this local bakery. And this guest who was very lovely came up on the second day and said, uh, where are the fresh croissants today? And it made Sally wonder, like, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought that first day was special. You want it the second day too? So it really does depend. It doesn't have to be a huge upgrade or improvement. It can be a small thing. Uh, And maybe in some instances, fresh croissants on every day is a good decision. And and in Sally's case, it's fresh croissants on the first day. It's the good decision, the the compromise uh, that she ultimately stuck to. And and it's all it's also a matter of guest education and just letting them know that you will get fresh croissants on your first day. And if you'd like them on your second day, you can walk yourself into town and get them <laughs> the and o- bring me some. <laughs> um, oh, the other thing I liked there was there was a a comment on on that post, and somebody th- th- there was another one of your members talking about all the things that she supplied on her farm, and I I can't quite remember. Sharon. Sharon Sherlock. Yeah, and she was saying, you know, Sherlock she, Farm. You know, take, taking the, the the kids out and and doing tubing, and she was giving all this away. And I loved Sally's response that that, that simply said, "Put some packages together, put a tubing yeah, put package a price together, and put a price on it." And that, you know, they then guests know exactly where they stand. So if they yeah. if they want to take this tubing excursion, they're going to pay for it. And yeah. I and I love that. And um, hopefully, I'm going to. I want to get Sally on the podcast. Yes. And just just to talk about these things in a little more detail. So uh, hopefully, she will she will accept the invitation, and you'll be hearing from her soon too. So finally, yeah, she's amazing. Finally, Mr. Landau, mm-hmm. we're all Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. We're just it's it's an Airbnb. Um, we I've mentioned before we go to the Cottage Life show twice a year here in Toronto. And it's a massive show that's been going on. I mean, we're in our, this year will be our 16th year of exhibiting. And we take our booth and what we do at that show, because the people who come through the show are are property owners and they're buying things for their second homes, for their cottages. So they're buying docks and they're buying boats and they're buying roofs and windows. And what we want to do, what we... (laughs) I just heard a comment from behind me that said composting toilets. <laughs> so they're buying <laughs> composting toilets as well. Um, but we we are there to encourage them to rent out their properties when, when, when they're not using them. So we've been doing this for 16 years and we stand there for three or four days and people come by and say, so what do you do? And we say, well, we're a cottage rental management company and we will look after your, all your rentals. And over the years, they've said, well, well, what is this about? I don't quite understand what this is. So we've explained what, that they can rent their property out and people will come and they'll stay and they'll go away and leave nice comments and you get money for it. But in the last couple of years, we've been seeing a different approach as people come up to us. They're going to say, so what are you? You're, you're Airbnb, aren't you? And these yeah. aren't 
These aren't the millennials. The, these are a lot of the uh, the people who've been owning properties for, for years, but they're still calling us, you know, you're, you're, you're Airbnb. No, we're not Airbnbs. We try and educate them into the the whole phraseology of Airbnb and why it's become a verb. Um, and we talk about it. Um, Donna Martinez, I think, talked in, in, or no, actually in that post about the way that language is used now. In the same way mm-hmm. as Kleenex took over from tissue. And mm-hmm. in, in UK, I don't think it ever came to, to US, where vacuuming became hoovering. Right. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So we, we you know, in, in UK, you just hoovered your carpet. You didn't vacuum it. So it's where a brand takes over and then becomes that verb. But it got me really thinking about where we stand, actually, as you know, you've got the vacation rental marketing blog. I have the vacation rental success podcast. Are we going to be? Are we going to disappear? I would hope not. I'm me too. But I'm, if we do disappear, Heather, let's disappear to the same place that can hang out. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I, you see, I remember you and I talking. I must have been four four years ago on this podcast about Airbnb. And I've, I've really looked at ways of, of deleting that podcast. <laughs> when, when I think we discussed that it was just sort of a, a fad and it was just going to be home sharing and it would go away. Um, I mean, not quite, but I, I don't think we ever thought it was going to get to, at that point, thought it was going to get to where it is now, as you call it, the, a beer moth. And I do love that word. I'm going to use it at least three times today. Behemoth, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't I, I prefer your pronunciation. Um, I don't think we're going to disappear, but I do think that it's important to adjust and adapt to reality. And something we all realize now is that Airbnb has certainly become a behemoth in the world. And ignoring that would be silly. Uh, however, the post that you're referring to uh, was primarily about how we refer to ourselves. Um, so it's certainly no surprise or not unusual for any vacation rental professional to strike up a conversation with someone and to more or less use the the, the phrase Airbnb to get on the same page for them to understand even roughly what you do. And and in that sense, we have now a catch-all phrase or thing that helps people understand what we do more quickly. And that's a good thing. Almost every Uber ride I've ever taken in which they say, what do you do? I will end up using the phrase, the word Airbnb in explaining what I do one way or another. Mm-hmm. It helps people understand an otherwise non-understandable new movement. And that much is great. The, the post itself argues that people who list exclusively on Airbnb, hosts that is, are a different, typically fit a different profile than hosts who use Airbnb as one of their many marketing channels and refer to themselves as a vacation rental professional or a small business owner. This difference between hobbyist and small business owner, I think is very important. Because this, I I did state up front that this is an incomplete blog post because I simply don't know what my feeling is here. There's some really great comments in the the comment section at the bottom Mm -hmm. Um, but I was kind of asking the general vacation rental community, how do we refer to ourselves? How do we 
promote ourselves to others. And one of my favorite comments came from Christy Couch, who is who utilizes social media and her primary demographic is sort of millennials. And she makes a great argument. She says, like, basically, it depends on who you're marketing to. If you're marketing primarily to older, let's say, the grandfather of a large family to bring their entire group for a, a week in the summer, you may be, use a certain kind of terminology. Whereas if you're marketing to a 22-year-old who's looking for a weekend getaway with his or her significant other, you may describe your property in another way. So she first points out that, that indeed it is, depends on who the demographic is. And in Christie's case, it is that millennial target demographic. So she says that people would, would simply not know what she was talking about if she didn't use the word Airbnb. She's based in Joshua Tree, California, where Airbnb is like taken over, become an Airbnb mecca in Joshua Tree. And Christy says when she or her friends go on vacation, they either go directly to Airbnb or they search in Google best Airbnbs in XYZ location, which quite simply states that if you're not on that platform or ranking for that phrase, you will not be seen by those individuals. And that's a very real problem or at least challenge for the owner or the manager. But Christy makes a second point that I think is even more important. And it's that there's a difference in how we as vacation rental business owners talk to each other versus how we communicate to that target audience. And she says, you know, an owner can be aware of all the listing sites and have a diversified marketing strategy and in, in, internally refer to their properties as, as vacation rentals. And at the same time, realize that their target demographic only uses the phrase Airbnb to describe their homes. For instance, Christy says you'll hear people say they're grabbing an Uber or grabbing a Lyft, but rarely would you hear someone say, let's grab a ride share, which I think is a great point. She also argues against my point that if you're only listed on Airbnb, you're not running a true business. She says, if you built an app, for instance, and you launched that app on the Apple store and you made a great profit from that app, would that mean that your app is not a real business? And I would, of course, agree with her. That is a real business. So she kind of like pokes holes in, in this argument and presents some new ways of thinking, which is obviously greatly appreciated. But I've just kind of settled on one, one thing only. And it is that the way that we see ourselves and promote ourselves is very important. It's important to know that there is a difference between these two things and to think about both of these things regularly. I think the cases in which people are not thinking about these things or just randomly starting a quote unquote Airbnb business, that's when you get into trouble. And that's when you only listed on Airbnb, for instance, and Airbnb disappears or decides to remove you from the platform, you basically become obsolete. You have nothing. You must go and start totally anew on an entirely new platform. Mm -hmm. So I think just from a, from a philosophical standpoint, the way we think about these things is oftentimes directly related to our own well-being and sustainability down the line. This is a conversation I think that is going to expand and we're going to hear a lot more about it as you know, as, as time goes on and the generation that used to talk about vacation rentals will be superseded by 
the millennials as they grow older and you know it, it's an it, it becomes an airbnb world and i think definitions will change along the way as well so matt and i use airbnb when i go travel hmm. i oftentimes just go just to airbnb and look up properties because the search functionality is so easy and the properties are so easy to compare and all that it depends on the kind of trip of course if I know an existing vacation rental business in the area, or if I Google it and I'm able to find that website, I'll oftentimes give that kind of result more clout because I know that they're bound to be more independent, more professional. But I do think that it's, it's worth taking into account where Airbnb fits into your business, mm-hmm. both from a philosophical standpoint and the actual delivering of leads. And so long as you are not completely oblivious and or completely dependent on it. I think it's a wonderful force uh, in our industry and the broader movement. Yeah, well said. I mean, what, what's coming to mind at the moment is, is things like direct booking and your own websites and how do we how do we move people to that? That is another conversation that we will probably have yeah. at a later date as we get more into this, um, to, uh, as the direct booking movement begins to grow later this year. So Matt, it's been an absolute blast as ever having you on. Yeah. I'm going to put links to all those blog posts on the show notes and linked to VRMB and link to track and hostfully and anything else that we have talked about. And I'd just like to thank you so much for, for joining me again. And uh, we should do it's this more often. Always an, <clears throat> always a pleasure. Yeah, if nothing else, we don't even have to record them, you know. We can just chat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. But what you say is always so valuable. I just want to get it out to everybody. Uh, well, right back at you. I've been listening to your podcast for years now. And it would my week would not be the same without a little Heather in my ear. Oh, I get to your ear. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to have you Have a great soon. weekend. Well, as ever, an amazing conversation with the one and only Matt Landau. Always, always a pleasure to have him on and to get his take on everything and anything that's going on in the industry. And I love that we can do this with some of his blog posts because not everybody reads a blog post. So it was really quite nice to pick up on some of the issues that came up in those most recent ones. So, you know, I'll be catching up with Matt again in a couple of months. I'm quite sure we will do this all over again and have another mashup with Matt. So hope you enjoyed that. So that is it for today. It's been, as ever, an absolute pleasure to be with you. And as ever, I'll be with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.